0: When i fall i got parachutes 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 what you gonna say what you gonna do what you gonna going is what they say true and all these questions i make sure i am still on top and all these questions i make sure this train is hard to stop no matter what i say or do no matter the song or two. it's me. Cannot drop. I'm in a parachute, up in the sky, I'm in a parachute, I'm Zorin parachute, I'm Zorin Die, when I fall, I got parachute, politicize every song I sing, tell you about our reality, you're living in a virtual reality, you're sucking on the tit that feeds you lies, Getting screwed by our system of ties, to our demise, we are blamed, why blame us? That's insane. All we know is pain. Control us for 300 years. Our epitome appears it's in a machine that broke us. Made us get out of focus. Puget told us, stop that hocus pocus. Look what we had. Our culture was just so a fair. What they didn't still do is sad. It makes me mad. Why be racist? It's made us faceless. Made us into your slaves. Land slaves for your wage. In this first world country, you're the entire world. Repeat and recycle. Put more money in guns. We make war to be free. We make war to be free. Are we really? Giving him a all, giving him a all. Gotta stand tall, cause I'm giving him a all. When I fall, I got parachutes. When I fall, I got parachutes. I'm a lightning warrior. Rain don't change The It goes in and all through changes. When I fall, I got parachutes. When I fall, I got parachutes. What you gonna say? What you gonna do? What you gonna, going what they say true and all these questions I make sure I am still on top and all these questions I make sure this train is hard to stop no matter what I say or do no matter the song or two it's me you cannot drop I'm in a parachute up in the sky I'm in a parachute I'm going by parachute I'm going by when I fall I got parachutes I'm from two worlds that collide. White and native, it's complicated I'm the minority, skin opposite of authority But I'm the queen, I lead and be led by those who went through it instead. Not here to tell you what race is better. I just wanna make some cheddar without worrying about my race. Being judged just by the color of my face. I wanna be seen as me, see my individuality. Never thought I would have to fight for a normal life. Life for a native is a constant battle. Read to get killed, we've been treated like cattle, like cattle, like cattle, like cattle. What you gonna say? What you gonna do? What you gum gum lay is what they say true. And all these questions, I make sure I am still on top. And all these questions, I make sure this train is hard to stop. No matter what I say or do, no matter the song or two, it's me you cannot drop. I'm in a parachute up in the sky. I- I'm in a parachute. I'm soaring down. Parachute. I'm soaring high. When I fall, I got parachutes. Giving in my all, giving in my all, got to stand talk, cause I'm giving in my all. When I fall, I got parachutes, when I fall, I got parachutes. I'm a lightning warrior, rain don't change The It goes in and on through changes. When I fall, I got parachutes, when I fall, I got parachutes. Parachute. Parachute. Good
1: morning, you're listening to Wake the F Up on 101.5 UMFM. We air on Thursdays from 11am until noon. My name is Christina, I use pronouns she, her.
2: And my name is Karan and my pronouns are he, him. UMFM 101.5 broadcasts from the University of Manitoba campuses that are located on the stolen, ancestral, original, occupied lands of Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and on the homeland of the Métis Nation. As settlers, we need to be giving the land back to Indigenous people and recognizing that our presence here is only a privilege that has come into existence and fruition because of the ongoing genocide against Indigenous people, and if we fail to be allies then really we should not be on this land and as i do this acknowledgement i urge everyone to think about what their presence on this land means how i still steal water from shoal lake how neocolonial policies while they harm me they still benefit me and harm indigenous people mm-hmm. and what am i doing to decolonize myself and this land
1: thank you Cran. of course excellent acknowledgement so today we have a few things to discuss yes this is true essentially i had this conversation with a friend recently Mm -hmm. where i realized that sometimes there's this weird switching that we have to do between different spaces in terms of how much we're supposed to perform i haven't decided what i'm calling this yet but it's basically like performing a kind of elitism
2: right right and so Fy and I actually, my friend Fy, I don't know if folks remember, but uh, over the summer, my friend Fy and I, we did an episode that was entirely on code switching. Yeah. Uh, which is this notion that, like, <laughs> you know, people of color have to kind of go back and forth between conversing in their vernacular sort of languages that you know also shape the way we speak in English, and mm-hmm. and then when we're in predominantly white spaces, we're supposed to speak in this like. Accepted accent that you know, otherwise, if anything else is being spoken, it's I don't know. Some people use the word like ratchet or you know, things like that yeah, that are exactly. extremely racist. It's more up
1: for scrutiny and it's more othered, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we
2: did that episode in an acknowledgement of the fact that it's not just people of color who have to do that, it's really everyone. Working in either the service industry or any sort of like retail job. Yeah. That is something that is always expected of you, even though you have been given no training for it. Like, mm-hmm. there's no training to tell you to act in this elitist fashion, but no, like, it, you're just
1: supposed to know this yeah. set of cues and respond to this set of cues and perform it and that is going to directly affect how a lot of your customers respond to you
2: yeah (laughs) where do I even begin like I
1: (laughs) where do we even begin with a feminist analysis of how working in retail has messed with our minds (laughs)
2: like genuinely I have a headache From even thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah, like I I remember that, you know, you get conditioned to kind of be embarrassed of the things that you do for basic survival. Mm -hmm. And so I remember that I used to always uh, be ashamed of the fact that I worked at a shoe store Mm. and, uh, like, had to take take on that job because I had to pay rent at the end. Like, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Like, I was ashamed to talk about it. But now I'm like, no, I am in the working class and I can't do anything else for survival yeah. so why am i gonna be ashamed of this so i remember and like <laughs> just thinking about working at that shoe store just gives me such a big headache it was genuinely the worst job of my entire life
1: yeah you said you had a lot of examples of <laughs> people coming up to you <laughs> yes, and, ma'am. Yes, and ma'am. expecting you to respond a certain way when they made some kind of outlandish demands
2: yeah like you know there was this one time and maybe this isn't really that related but but it just kind of shows maybe the difference between like boomers and millennials millennials and gen z like oh yeah i remember i was working the till at the store that day and this man, like, angrily comes and, like, puts down two, three boxes of shoes. Mm-hmm. He has his wife with him. And then he just starts ranting. He's like, ugh, you know, my wife had one day off. And uh, she's the manager of this big store. And she can't even go because she can't even be out here on her day off. and cuz she has to go back cuz people called in sick. Mm. You millennials don't really want to do any work and he's he like, actually call you yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah, and like he just like went off and I was like,
3: "Uh,
2: okay." So I just didn't respond. I was like, "Whatever. I'm I don't I don't want to engage. This is not the battle I want to fight." Yeah. I'm not. Whatever. And he just kept going on and on and on what about is it how he even really fly. wanted. No clue. <laughs> and he just kept going on and on and on. So once I boxed or once I bagged all the boxes that he had, I just looked at him and I was like, well, you see that me, a millennial, is here working instead of making excuses, right? You see me here, right? So why are you ranting to me about a different store where maybe someone is going through something and is unable to make it?
1: Mm -hmm.
2: What's the point?
1: Did you say that? Yes,
2: I did. Absolutely. Because I was so mad. I just, I was like... I would have looked at him and said so many things,
1: mm, oh, but yeah.
2: in my mind, I was just like, what gives you the right to expect me to listen to you? I'm not your therapist. No. Nope. I am literally just a dude working at a till. Leave me alone. Oh. Who, what gives you the right to come and just unload your grievances on me
1: Holy about
2: my demographic of people? Even though I am out here working, like, I don't understand what your problem is. The
1: hypocrisy.
2: So, Ugh. and he just, like, looked at me and gave me a dirty look and left. And I was like, okay, so you just wanted to be an a-hole about everything. God. All right, that's your narrative. Ugh, you yeah. want to do that? Yeah. You like go ahead and do that.
1: That's, yeah, I had instances of wondering if I was supposed to feel ashamed of having worked at Tim Hortons for so long. Like, I worked mm. there for six years. Um, and I Dang. had, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> Dang. I, I definitely had some instances in which I kind of, in some spaces, felt like like I was supposed <clears throat> to be ashamed of that. And I'm like, why? Like, I did good, honest work there. I developed a lot of skills in terms of handling really stressful work environments yeah. and responding to a lot of customers and like a lot of things. You actually develop a really wide array of skills at these jobs. I remember one instance, and this is one example of many, many, many instances. Uh, I was just, like, in the drive-thru, and in the summer, the ice cap machine goes down a lot because (laughs) it's very... It's a very popular item. And this guy came to the drive-thru window and he was so upset that he couldn't have his ice cap. He was like, I drove here two hours and I don't get my ice cap. And I like, Uh. he was so (laughs) mad. And I'm just like, I understand your inconvenience, but also like, what do you want me to do about it? Um, Or what
2: do you think is going to happen?
1: Exactly. You can
2: be a baby and cry about it and think that, oh, me driving here for two hours entitles me to an ice cab no matter what.
1: Sorry, I'll just wave my but magic wand yeah. and make the thing work again. But <laughs> I it's have actually to in- laugh. Oh yeah, no, it's actually interesting cuz there is kind of another like there there's something going on here basically. So These people will say these things to us and what they do actually expect on some level is that there will be some kind of customer service policy or whatever that enables us to, I don't know, give them a coupon or basically, I don't know, wait on their hand and foot, just give them something extra and basically reward them for being inconvenienced Mm -hmm. in some way. And that's true. A lot of places do actually have those things and people are aware of that. So they will intentionally demonstrate how upset they are in order to get those things. And of course, people get carried away. Uh, They they may do this even after it is clear that there is no such reward that they Mm -hmm. may get out of it. I have another example I'm going to use my my friend as an example that I was telling you about earlier where he he works primarily in like a support type job where he's helping families who are going through a difficult time okay yeah and then he works part-time as a bartender like in some hotel or something and they would occasionally yeah so they would occasionally hold events for you know whatever large gathering or having at the at the hotels and he would have instances where in the same day at one job at his support type job where he could be helping somebody figure out their finances and they have very little money. Yeah. And then later that evening, going to the bartending job, <laughs> and somebody is throwing a huge fit because they found a hair in their food, which, okay, sure. Like, I understand. And it's an inconvenient thing. I personally think the appropriate response to that might be if you're upset by it to just say, Hey, I found this. Can you replace this, please? Yeah. But some people really, really are not satisfied unless you are like, oh my god I am sorry to have insulted your family here (laughs) let me like here let me give you let me give you a boat to apologize like it's a whole thing they genuinely like it's this unspoken set of cues that you're actually supposed to act upon they get upset and you are literally supposed to just pull back and respond to their entitlement it's
2: so gross yeah I yeah. and and that's the thing like I've worked as, as a bartender before and oh my god like Ooh. you know you're you're talking about this like hotel where people come and like you know not even give you any sort of like regard or whatever right Yeah like I <laughs> I used to bartend at rural Manitoban like weddings and stuff what? It was like a a very (laughs) casual gig. Okay. My friend was like, hey, you want to do this? Like at a community center that he kind of operates. Okay. And, you know, like a lot of them are really nice. Like a lot of them, like, will come like talk to you. Like they'll tip you and everything. But don't get me wrong. That still exists. Like, you know, I remember my co-bartender at the time. Like she once had like a little bit of foam when she poured beer into a cup Mm. and oh my god that was a huge huge inconvenience to someone i mean we had to pour another entire beer sounds like it
1: ruined her year yeah
2: and yeah it was like we were just like wow i am so sorry that that this must have killed your children like i i'm so sorry that i murdered someone (laughs) by you know i was just like Come on, like, all she. Tre- just take the foam off. Like, just lick yeah. it off. I don't know what you want me to do. Just.
1: Yeah. Plus, l- some people like foam. And,
2: and like that's fine. It. Like, okay, we get it. You don't like foam. Okay, we'll pour you another one. Yeah. But the way it was perceived and, like, responded to yeah. was horrific. Like, it was a scene it oh was a God. scene this exists everywhere like yeah. it's not just in this like classic elitist whatever kind of stereotypes we have in mind like this sort of expectations exists a lot or, of spaces. yeah yeah these expectations exist like in spaces inherently where there is this sort of power imbalance that okay well i am paying you money to provide me a service so i can be a sh
1: an unpleasant person. <laughs> yeah,
2: unpleasant, yes. <laughs> I can be as sh- as as unpleasant of a person <laughs> as I as I can be because well, you're you're entitled to do whatever I want because I'm paying for this, you know?
1: Yeah. It's important like this matters in terms of power dynamic, this matters in terms of classism and elitism and as soon as you are operating within those subject positions of I'm the person in power and I get yeah. to honestly misbehave towards essentially <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. that's the word i'm using i get to misbehave <laughs> towards the person that is providing me this service whereas what i think needs to be happening instead when you're in those situations really is just that we need to use our words and communicate kindly when <laughs> we are displeased about something
2: it's such a simple thing that you would think that we don't even need to like talk about on a radio freaking show like yeah and yet here we are wasting yes. our energy on essentially telling people to just be not nice to be turds, turds. <laughs> you <Yeah, laughs> a lot of a lot of censoring in my mind going on right now because <laughs> I'm mad, but uh, yeah, and it's draining. I don't I like it genuinely, when Christina said that, "Oh, let's talk about this." I was like, "Ugh, this." And it's then I'm unpleasant. like, it it's essential because people are crappy. yeah, no, anyway. and
1: I have an indi- I have an additional thought to it. I think if people have these interactions solely with people who are relatively somewhat in their own class so like say somebody grew up in like a middle or upper class but they're having one of these customer service jobs and they are expected to you know whatever provide service to their customers who may also be of middle or upper class basically Mm -hmm. they're operating within their own class I think another thing that is an important consideration is that they have more emotional energy available in order to do that performance. Mm Because they are less oppressed, so they have more resources to be able to give to other people. And that is kind of how that works within that ecosystem of, right. of a social environment. And and that's
2: the thing, right? Like if you are someone who's racialized, when black and brown people go to job interviews and stuff too, they're always going to be less desirable. They basically the right. just
1: assume that they're not as qualified for the job. Like, it's immediately called into question. They're, they're exactly. scrutinized. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So even those people who get into these jobs, for, like, me as a brown person, if I were to be my authentic self and someone came and talked to me rudely about, you know, why is this shoe $80? I'd be like, I don't make the rules. Like, I, I do not do this, so I don't know why you're asking me. Mm-hmm. And I have done this before. Mm-hmm. And immediately, the reaction, the knee-jerk reaction, has been to complain about me, because I right. did not, because you know, then I'm not qualified or like a um, giving proper customer service because I am this like racialized person who doesn't understand the nuances of being white and like mm. you know serving white people, and and that's and that's essentially what it comes down to is the socioeconomic inequalities that people live in, and then continue to live in because they're supposed to perform like emotionally laborious tasks in jobs that don't pay you enough yeah, and be held to standards that they would not have been held to if they were white. So <laughs> at every every level of this sort of cycle, it's just people of color and people of lower classes. Of and, and people
1: oppressed in any way. In any
2: way, essentially, being, you know. Further exploited. For the, yeah, yeah. Wow, this
1: is a depressing topic. It's lovely. It's very upsetting.
2: I have a headache.
1: Yeah, it's so unfortunate, too, that a lot of people who may come from less oppressed upbringing will sometimes go into these customer service jobs. And that will be the thing that gives them perspective. And that (laughs) will be the thing, the illuminating experience for them. That makes them understand mm-hmm. how people are treated
2: and that's the thing like I've had some like white people come up to me and be like thank you in a very patronizing way like oh I've worked customer service jobs before like I understand and it's like okay yeah like thank you for not being you know or th- thank you for doing the bare minimum but it's like really it took you working in a customer service job to exactly. understand
1: That you need to be decent, (laughs) like somewhat decent.
2: Yeah, like, you you know what I mean? So it's just, it's just frustrating.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And how do we end it? How do we end this?
1: What do we do instead? I don't know. Well, I mean, that's a big question. Exactly. And I would say that that is (laughs) the same question that can go with pretty much any criticism that we have of any nuance of how oppression plays out in our day-to-day lives and that is really the dismantling of oppressive systems so that's never an easy answer bleak bleak
2: (laughs) hey but you know what you know what's been keeping me alive these days i would love to know okay i'm about to have uh (laughs) an embarrassing moment (laughs) So let me just do it. Um, I don't know if anyone <laughs> listening likes to watch any like shows or anything, but <laughs> if you do, you should watch The Politician right now. It's on Netflix. Yeah. If you don't have Netflix, I'll give you my password. <laughs> but people listening to this need to watch it because they need to understand what a genius uh, Ben Platt is. Oh, yeah. Currently, he is my new everything yeah uh you're having
1: some major googly eyes right now b- ah!
2: <laughs> don't expose me <laughs> but oh my god that man is a genius yeah. he is so 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 cool um <laughs> I a mean, character in the show yes okay oh, yeah. yeah he plays the politician essentially It's like a storyline is about how this dude wants to be the president of the United States, Mm -hmm. so he starts his like quote unquote political career early on in high school, Mm -hmm. and only one season's out now. But it's cool because okay, first of all, let me just say it's a very cheesy show, so maybe people won't like it, but. The reason I like it is because Ben Platt is in it. He's been in Pitch Perfect before. Like, you should listen to his album that he recently released. He's just a musical, like, like theatrical genius. Love it. But also the reason why I am mentioning The Politician on a queer feminist radio show. Yeah,
1: I'm wondering how, how's the representation? Here's, here.
2: Yeah, here's why I'm... Uh, okay, here's why. Here's Here's the thing. A lot of white people, let me say that first. Uh In recognition of that A lot of white people But it is also a show That kind of goes into Biting that Like how Mm. wealth and whiteness Kind of play together Mm -hmm. uh, In portraying this like Gross wealth inequality Sort of deal Right Um, But also It has So it's aware of that Yes Okay It it is yes It is uh, very cognizant of that But also the people of color And the queer people That are in it are not portrayed in I don't know in a tokenized way. Right. So it's like casual representation. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not like oh, one queer person uh, is only queer in terms of their trauma and depression that they face. Right. It's like here's a queer person
1: living their best life. Living
2: their best life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> deal with it. Like you know, Beautiful. like b- being queer is not something that is their main characteristic. Yeah. It is just. Like, as Ben Platt once said in an interview, it is just one sort of speck on the main tapestry of the person. (laughs) This is one of the many reasons why I am in love with Ben Platt. I I see it. um, It's written all
1: over your face.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I have not crushed on anyone, like any fantasy person like this since... I had a crush on the entire cast of High School Musical. (laughs) So it's been a while. (laughs) And so I needed to talk about it. I've never seen you
1: like this. Yeah.
2: Yes, I know. It's embarrassing is what it is. I am going to cry. Yeah. Um, So I think at this point, (laughs) let's take a break and maybe listen to something
1: by Ben Platt. All right. Because that's what I'm
2: feeling right now.
1: Here comes Ben Platt, folks.
3: There's so much you don't know. You need to go and find yourself. You say you'd rather be alone, cause you think you won't find it tied to someone else. Who said? That the growing only happens on your own They don't know me and you I don't think you have to leap If to change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow and we'll take it slow and grow as we go. Grow as we go. You won't be the only one. I am unfinished. I've got so much left to learn. But I'd like the company through every twist and turn. Who says true that the growing only happens on your own? They don't know. See that it was better That we grew up Together Tell me you don't want To leave Cause if change is what you need You can change right next To me When you're high I'll take The lows you can Ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow As we go, grow as we go, grow as we go, grow as we go.
1: Good morning and welcome back to Wake the F Up on 11.5 UMFM. With your hosts I'm Christina. I use pronouns she/her.
2: And I am Karan, and I use pronouns he/him. And Conrad is also was, crying. <laughs> that was a rather emotional song by Ben Platt that really doesn't have anything to do with a feminist radio show but also hey, just an some artist there. just an artist existing, you know, as a queer person. Living his best life.
1: Living his best life.
2: Anyway, yeah. I'm not crying. You're crying,
1: yeah, that's exactly what's going on right now. Um, yeah, so Gran, how feminist do our friends need to be?
2: Is this a joke?
1: This is a serious question. I want i a
2: okay, I want my friends to be as feminist as Ben Platt is in approach to politics let me just say this right All now right yeah this is a sick joke
1: <laughs> how feminist do we need our friends to be
2: very feminist what i don't understand this question
1: we are often criticized as being libtards who <laughs> do not have any tolerance for people who have any views that are opposing from ours Oh, but honey, if I could avoid your right-wing views, I would. But genuinely. So I remember when I was first becoming feminist, I thought that there was a strength in being able to see things from every side and to have friends who had differing political views. Right. But then as you get further into it, you realize that what you're actually doing is being... Uh, more forgiving towards people who think that it is okay, be all right with the active oppression and or exploitation and or genocide of people who are different from them.
2: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so I actually take this back to a very famous feminist scholar who now actually prefers to be known as a writer Mm -hmm. uh, because she quit her university position in protest Mm -hmm. of Nothing being done regarding, like, equity diversity policies, sexual assault policies. Her name is Dr. Sarah Ahmed, Uh and she was actually here in Winnipeg, and I was able to sit in with a sort of workshop and also attend her lecture. And in her book called Living a Feminist Life... She kind of discusses this and her Twitter name is Feminist Killjoy. Nice. And and that's kind of like her branding, like she's a feminist killjoy. And her work is primarily on institutional violence mm-hmm. in universities and things like that. She talks about feminists at work. Yeah. So what that means is like, you know, we have discussed this before on the show, too, is that you don't just stop being a feminist once, you know, you're at work or you're in different places. You're a feminist everywhere because yes. you've got to. Yeah. And so that's kind of like her approach, too, is that, you know, people will regard you as a like feminist killjoy yeah. once you don't laugh at people's really awful jokes yeah. and things like that. And you call them out on it. So um, she kind of touched upon that in her lecture. But I took that and I I realized that yeah that's the thing is that we can't always be killjoys like you know we have to surround ourselves by ourselves by people who are like-minded because yeah. I can't ever tolerate people who think that oh other people should die you know like I I can't do that
1: who need you to prove to them why your humanity matters
2: exactly and she talked about this she kind of talked about this on Twitter too is that you know I can't tell people that things get better because when I came out as queer my parents disowned me Mm -hmm. and so sometimes you just need to tell your parents to f off and and you know it doesn't get better so it's Mm -hmm. crucial that you also surround yourself with people who Hold the same values as you and who essentially view your humanity as actual legitimate humanity. That's true. And not view you as subhuman. So I genuinely hate this notion of, oh, look at like, you know... (laughs) Ellen and uh, George Bush or whatever, yeah, like they're great friends. Like the, this just shows that we
1: can be nice yeah. to everyone.
2: And it's like you want to be nice to everyone. How about you? You know, try to start a socialist revolution. Like yeah. that will actually be that
1: will actually be nice, nice to everyone, to everyone. <laughs> like, except for the capitalists. God forbid they have to have slightly less wealth. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious. Did you also go through a process of believing that there was a strength in being able to agree with? all sides at some point
2: oh yeah i think that's the first stepping stone right like that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of what you go through and then you realize that like it happened in different ways to me Mm -hmm. and friends always being like oh like i really like your perspective on this like i want to know more yeah like
1: yeah
2: hiding behind this performative narrative yet only
1: Only really being interested in it insofar as it confirms their own beliefs, which are usually pretty hateful. Yep,
2: exactly. Yes. That's exactly what I was going for.
1: And I think it's difficult to speak to people who are in that stage. I know I was difficult to speak to when I was in that stage when I thought that there was a strength in being able to agree with everyone um, because that's you really get to take the moral high ground. Yeah. And it's pretty hard to uh, to speak to people who are on such a high horse.
2: Mm -hmm. yes ma'am yes ma'am
1: so truthfully uh yeah i'm the same i definitely need my friends to be like-minded because i don't like wasting an entire you know trip for coffee having to convince somebody why my pain matters or why my oppression matters or Mm -hmm. why the oppression of people of color matters or disabled people or anything like that like that's you know I understand that the best way for a lot of people to learn is through conversation, but also people are not entitled to my energy. I've actually been having so many of these conversations lately and I'm still trying to figure out my relationship with these conversations and with these people because I have some friends who really, they'll come to me when they have questions Mm -hmm. about oppression and they will have an open mind about it. They'll be asking specific questions. You know, it's not the basic ones like, Uh, Where they come in and they're like, oh, I don't consider myself a feminist. I consider myself an equalist. I consider that to be, you know, that's, you know, easy red flag for surface level. They don't understand it at all kind of thing. You know, they'll actually have like specific questions where they will be like, how do I respond to this situation? What does this mean? This was my reaction. What should I be doing? And yes, these conversations are productive. But I still find that when I have these conversations, of course, it's taking a toll on me. It's taking my emotional labor. Yeah. And then I think about the fact that when I have questions about an oppression that I don't understand, when I have questions about how people of color are oppressed, my knee jerk reaction is not to go to my friend and treat them like a library and (laughs) just, you know, open up their book of traumas and ask them to relive their traumas for me. My response is literally to go read a book about it. My response is to go sit down and read some work by Audre Lorde or by Kimberly Crenshaw or by the Combahee River River Collective. And these, you know, dozens and dozens of works that are out there that exist. Somebody already sat down and wrote them and I can go and understand.
2: Yeah, I feel like emotional labor is something that is kind of being used as a buzzword right now. Yeah, um, because it's an emerging topic within the feminist community Mm -hmm. but i think that it's important to take it back to its roots and what that actually means because people of color have been performing this labor for a while now um yeah and even you know i find it funny that people who use the word emotional labor don't really understand why the word labor is is associated with the word emotion Mm -hmm. and what kind of radical roots that word has like the word labor right um you know, to take it back to actually understanding that people of color have always been exploited and continue to be exploited for white people to sort of understand the basic nuances of, of oppression. And I actually remember this exercise that I had to do once was this like walk of privilege or whatever. And it's like you all start out at the same line and someone is like, okay, so if you've had this happen to you, this racist thing happened to you, mm-hmm. take one step back. If not, right. take one step forward. Oh, right. Yeah. So it's like th- like these barriers sort of questions like, oh, mm-hmm. if you have if you know you people have questioned you because of your gender. Like so you will see that people who primarily are women will take a step back and yeah. men will step forward. And yeah. uh, there is absolutely no regard for non-binary people in this in questions like that. Right. Um, so. This exercise, I remember, I felt so disgusting after and I couldn't name why I was having this problem. Mm -hmm. Um, But now that I'm theorizing it, uh, it comes back to me because it's obvious that the white people are in the front. Even if it's white women, they're always in the front and people of color are way in the back of the room. Oh, yeah. So it's just a tool that is kind of used to, you know, (laughs) that uses the oppression of people. Uh, people of color to show to the white people ah now do you see how it works Mm -hmm. like you know it's Mm -hmm. tokenizing us Mm. and making us you know relive our traumas to explain to white people and this is why you should be a nice person to people of color and not use racial slurs yeah it's really disheartening like i didn't understand why i felt so disgusting after i came out of that room uh having done that exercise but it was just another ploy By a white supremacist, like, notion. And I'm not saying that it was intentionally white supremacist, but it stems from this idea of supremacy that, okay, white people can only understand the oppression of other people.
1: And your emotional labor is just collateral damage. Exactly. It's an accepted collateral damage.
2: Exactly. And nothing was done to, like, you know, pay me. Like, you know. Nope like compensate for my uh emotional distress it was just viewed as another way of a caged example of hey this is why you shouldn't be racist because look at what your actions are doing to this person of color yeah like and and you know so so I'm kind of tired of people who use me for free labor. Like, you yeah. know, I come do this show out of my own will. Like, I want to, like, mm-hmm. you know, all these things that I am interested, I will do. Exactly. But if someone is going to come and ask me about, hey, why do you think that this thing is racist? I don't really want to be a part of it. Nope. Like, do it on your own time. And and this is the thing is that I find it hard to be come friends with people who are not on the same understanding as me mostly because how do i explain this i am willing to give people like second and third chances mostly Mm -hmm. because i understand that you know i learned about all of my oppression and like the oppression of the people who embody different identities that are not mine because of my interest in the field yeah uh, of like learning about race race like racialized theories women's empowerment movements and, like, you know, basic yep, systems yep. of oppression and dismantling them. Mm-hmm. I learned them because of my own willingness to learn about them. Mm-hmm. And, th- like, I had to go through many sort of like, inaccessible, like, paywalls to, uh, you know, I'm talking about a university, which is a big paywall.
1: Yep, totally. To
2: access this information. Yeah. Because it is systemically and deliberately kept inaccessible for people to use. So I understand Solid, when yeah. people... You know, come from places where they don't actually know because I will give them that this is kept away. You know, I've met rural Manitobans that don't even know what the word colonialism is. Nope. Yeah. And when I've they find that. out, they are horrified and they want to do something. You know, they, yeah. They do want to do something about it. Yeah. So I'm not gonna hold that against them because it's not. Them or their like lack of uh, lack of action mm-hmm. because had they known that this was being kept away from them they I I think that as basic humans they would probably do something to address it mm-hmm. right so I always tend to give people the sort of like leeway that okay I understand that you wanna you wanna learn more and I get it mm-hmm. um, so you know if you're coming from this place of willingness to learn and everything I will I will teach you I will be friends with you. Mm-hmm. But if you come from a place of like, well, you know, we've thrown so much money at immigrants and indigenous people. I'm going to say a big ol' F you. And yeah, not going to deal with that. Because you've already sort of come to a conclusion. You're not going to listen to what I have to say about this. No. So why should I bother? Yeah. Why the heck should I bother?
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's great that you're able to extend that patience and have the conversation with people who do have an interest and are willing to listen. And the great thing is also to know that, like, you don't even have to do that. Like, that's a really important thing to remember. And I remind myself that as well, that I don't have to do these things. A lot of people will try to insist that it is our job as people that are oppressed in one way or another to educate people. And that's obviously from a place of entitlement. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a response to that that I come back to is that, Okay, well, if you are genuinely thinking like if you are genuinely interested in dismantling systems of oppression, you know that the solution does not lie at an individual level. Right. Right. Like, sure. (laughs) It's it's beneficial to have these one on one conversations with people for individual people in our lives to have a better understanding. But also at the end of the day. This is a big question that we're trying to answer and it's going to have bigger solutions. And if I need to prioritize myself and my own Mm -hmm. self-care and my own emotional labor that you are probably not going to compensate me for, then I'm going to take care of myself. And, you know, a lot of people will take that as a reason to think, oh, this is why the like, you know, taking your removal from the situation as a reason to think, oh, this is why the movement is failing. But to me, it's it's like, no, that's just kind of demonstrating that you have no idea how social change happens.
2: Mm-hmm. And this is where, like, my kind of uh, dichotomous th- thought process comes in is that I am always of the opinion that if I am able to, uh, in an attempt of allyship or in an attempt of actually being capacitated to do it, I will educate someone. Yeah. Because, you know, now... Um, I I understand this whole notion of allyship and, uh, you know, how you should sometimes just show up and shut up. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. sometimes there are people who, you know, can't really speak for themselves because they are tired. They're genuinely tired of like, you know, like yeah. I, I sometimes appreciate when someone says something racist about immigrants and it's a, you know, it's a white person in the room will recognize uh that i am not at capacity to fight this and they will Mm -hmm. fight it for me you know what i mean
1: yeah i think that's allyship like that's like one of the biggest tasks as an ally like in a nutshell yeah
2: so i take it upon me sometimes when people will say some like stupid things like you know oh i'm i'm like colorblind i don't see race like you Mm -hmm. know in an attempt to prove that oh they aren't actually racist even though you like you know it's a benign comment for them yeah May uh, and it might be true. Like it might be true that in their lives they aren't racist. Like they don't, you know, they don't do anything that is racist. But also they don't. (laughs)
1: There's a a really high likelihood that they are unknowingly contributing to and definitely benefiting. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: that's yeah. So that's where I was getting that. And that's the thing is that if you like, if I am able to, if I'm at capacity to do that, why shouldn't I? And and the, and that reason is personal right like if yeah. it, like people can answer that by saying well i just don't want to and that's completely fair and reasonable yeah but in my own personal life that usually comes down to well you know what? I don't really have a reason why I shouldn't, mm-hmm. and so I'm gonna take it upon me to explain to this person why saying that oh I'm colorblind and I don't see race is actually a really racist, <laughs> like yeah. you know, form of existing, and why they should be challenging that. So I think that like to answer your first question, I come back to this stance that I need to surround myself with with people who are of the same school of thought as me, yeah. but also. You know where sometimes I can challenge them. Like it's like, right? I don't even know how to explain this, but like when uh, someone will talk about why why they think that Justin Trudeau is better than Jagmeet Singh, mm. like I'll be like, oh well, let me push you further to the left. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, let's like you know let me let, let me challenge you. Let me nudge you a little. Like yeah. I love having friends around me that I can challenge. But right. But also who are open to being challenged.
1: Yeah. Not yeah. just
2: like, hey, you feminazi liptard. Like, I can't do that.
1: Yeah, got you. So I have another question for you. Um, how feminists do partners or potential partners need to be? <sighs>
2: <sighs> My <laughs> ideal partner right now clearly is Ben Platt. <laughs> so... <laughs> I want someone who I, like embodies all of these intersectional identities. I'm just kidding. I, like I don't know. I think that <laughs> over the course of my degree and being a, becoming this sort of person who always questions everything and like tries, at least if not does, think critically uh, or to think critically, um, I hold my, I would hold my partner up to that kind of same standard.
1: So a higher standard than your mm-hmm. friends?
2: I don't think so. No. Okay. Uh, but also, I don't know. Right. Fair. I genuinely don't know. But I, but maybe a similar standard that I hold myself to. Right. If not more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't know, and I just think that that's because I don't know over the course of my degree, like being a socially aware feminist person, is my kink. Like, I, <laughs> like I. I <laughs> like if if you're going to come and talk to me about why you think Jordan Peterson is a credible oh. uh, a great dude like uh, sorry but I actually
1: met some- I met somebody like that last summer And, like, that was actually his idea of having, like, a profound and deep conversation with me. Oh, Mm -hmm. my goodness. Goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. Yeah, I would definitely say with my serious relationships, I hold them to a higher standard than my friends in terms Mm. of the feminism. Um, And in terms of just awareness of oppression and their morals as a person, I would say. (sighs) I have definitely ended things with dates because oh, of not being feminist. Spicy. Like, oh, easily. yeah easily. Do you
3: wanna
2: do you wanna spill over over <laughs> on, on air you're uh
1: happy to horrible dates. I okay, would love let's to do it. Yeah. I wanna hear it. Oh yeah, sure. So I went on one date with this guy uh last winter. Oh god. In a moment of weakness. Uh, <laughs> didn't know him too well. Uh, went on this date. Uh Spent some time together and we were texting after that date. I did not have a great time. I, uh, it was, oh, it was okay. do you mean
2: like talking after the date or the date itself? The
1: date itself was not even as fun as I would have liked it to be. Lovely. Um, yeah, so I was already kind of on the path of like, well, we're not compatible, this is not gonna work. Uh, but we were texting and he was like, oh, what are you up to? And at that time, I was currently doing some organizing details for slamming the patriarchy which is the (laughs) feminist uh slam poetry event that i was part of creating and organizing at the hub and he said some comment where it seemed it didn't really get through to him that i was in fact one of the creators and organizers even though i said that and he and i was like oh well what do you think of feminism and he said something to the end of like oh i think some people take it too far and just you know the surface level comment, and I'm like red flag. Um, and I was like, oh well, like you you caught that. I said that I like I'm actually one of the organizers of this event, right? Like I mm-hmm. this is something that's very important to me. Uh, and he was like, oh, like I don't identify as a feminist. And I was oh like, my God. Immediately I was like, I don't think it's gonna work out with us. Um, it's been fun, you know. Peace out. And he was like, wow. And he was like, really? Because of the feminist stuff? Feminist and stuff, he said, ish, he said because of the feminist ish. I don't know. <laughs> um, and at that point, I blocked him. And if there was an outburst that followed, I didn't know about it. Oh,
2: for sure, there was an outburst. <laughs> I can't, like, I don't know. <laughs> I, of course, there was an outburst. There's actually oh, a yeah. really funny Twitter page called She Rates Dogs. I think you would really <laughs> like it. Where there's people, there's so
1: many of these, I love them. Yeah,
2: people submit like you know
1: yeah there's also screenshots
2: of like trash men who behave in like you know who expect women to be rehabilitation centers essentially yeah and it's 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 great because they expose uh some real real toxic stuff so
1: yeah there's also by philippe oh okay yep same concept it is interesting yeah that's a really fun one um there's, are you a feminist? Mm, that Instagram, yeah, yeah. that's a fun one. It is just a all woman of the feminists on yeah, Tinder, yeah. and she just
2: all of the feminist-ish.
1: Yes, <laughs> she just asks guys on Tinder, "Are you a feminist?" and posts their responses. Oh
2: god! I
1: highly recommend. Oh god! Wholesome content. Wholesome? <laughs> okay. Wholesome, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: sure, <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Yeah, because men are trustworthy. Yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. uh, I think that we should just do a whole, you know, we need to do a whole episode on like emotional labor in terms of like, like women explaining why they need to be like feminists and people of color explaining why work has to be anti-racist and stuff. I'm happy to
1: explain things on here because it's like a non-confrontational environment. Yeah. Yeah. But when people come up and they're like, prove to me why your humanity is important. I'm like, goodbye. Yeah don't really want to It's not cute it's not not a cute look no well i guess that's uh that's all the thoughts that i have this time around yeah
2: this was a super this was a very chill episode yeah 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 also remember to watch the politician and check out ben platt (laughs) but to anyone who might develop feelings for him Just know that I had those feelings first. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there is no notion of ownership and toxicity here. But like,
1: but also I'm petty. (laughs) And I saw him first. Please. Anyway. Love it.
2: Okay. Thanks so much, Christina, for exposing me.
1: Anytime, Cran. Thank you. (laughs) Catch you next week.
3: You gave away all your secrets to someone who up and left you in pieces I know the feeling, believe me I know the prices you gotta pay Sacrificing my freedom and all just to get somebody to see me Nobody said it was easy